your host, Lubna. And as you know, if you've listened to any of our previous episodes, the Entrepreneur Sushi Club podcast is a weekly podcast where we give you insight into the personality of successful sushi adoring entrepreneurs, showing you that success is all about having fun in and with your business. And boy, do I have an amazing guest for you all the way from Mallorca. It is Jan Broders. Jan had it all. He had lived in nine countries by the age of 27, spoke four different languages, I think he still speaks them, and was on the path to become a five-star hotel manager. All went according to plan. Have you ever made a plan and think, I'm on track? Until one morning, the morning where Jan physically collapsed in the middle of the beautiful hotel lobby on his way to the office. Diagnosis, burn out. Now, if you've ever had a burnout or you have someone around you with a burnout, you want to pay attention and share this episode. What could easily have been the worst day of his life turned out to be the best. Isn't it always, ladies and gentlemen? Jan decided to embark on a quest. He traveled the world for three years to learn everything he could about healing and personal growth. Inspired by Jan's personal transformation, former colleagues and friends began to seek his advice. This is how Jan Broder's coaching was born. Today, Jan offers deep coaching to high achievers from around the globe and creates a program around stress management and resilience for small business enterprises and corporations such as Mercedes-Benz. Jan, I do hope you own a Mercedes. I don't, not yet. <laughs> well, welcome still, to the show. <laughs> I'm still in negotiations for the next payment that they throw in a Mercedes too. <laughs> yeah, it should be part of the package, shouldn't it? Exactly. Well, it's lovely to have you on the show. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Same here. Thank you very much. Yeah, pleasure. So, Jan, are you ready for the very first question? Yes, please. What's your favorite sushi and why? Obviously, I was contemplating on it, right? What's my favorite sushi? And there's a little bit of a history in my sushi taste throughout the years. So I was introduced into sushi the American way, like those big boats, deep fried, big dragon roll, whatever, like those really like sort of greasy things. And I guess any sushi traditionalist on the call would say, oh my God, what are they doing? Yeah. Uh, that's how I got introduced to it. And I was like, oh my God, that's amazing, right? It just anything deep fried tastes good. So um, that's how I got started into it. And then a few years ago, I went on a like plant-based diet. So basically eating vegan. So I said, okay, so what do I do with the whole sushi bit? Because also my wife and I, like for us, it's like the date night, go to food whenever there's something special to celebrate in business or so we order sushi and everything. So, okay. So, and then we went on this quest to, is there something like vegan sushi, right? And then I remember there was a place, we lived in Berlin for a little bit also before moving to Mallorca. And there was a one, I don't remember how it was called, but it was really, really tasty. And it had pumpkin in it, shiitake, mushroom, and Ooh. some little bit of tofu or something. And so I guess like, I'm still exploring the whole vegan sushi world. I guess shiitake mushrooms is a... Mushroom, yeah. Yeah, it's a favorite thing to put into it. It's quite good because it has nice texture to it once you prepare them yeah. well. So that was one I really liked. And I remember we were in, you know, Venice Beach, LA. We are there usually once a year because we have some clients there. And they have some of those type of restaurants. And there was one with jackfruit and that was quite tasty as well, like jackfruit and some chili or so. So I'm really like on the exploration of vegan sushi just based on our like change in diet. I still remember those. And I must say, unfortunately, here Mallorca isn't very fast forward in that sense. I think in general in sushi, you don't find like good, good sushi. It's more the normal, like throwing stuff in rice and rice. It's just sort of like normal. 
here it's not so spectacular you just get like avocado cucumber like just like very very basic one but still we ordered for celebration because it's our like as a couple it's our go-to thing when we celebrate yeah things. yeah yeah Oh, yeah. I love that. I didn't like that you started with the deep fried sushi because yeah. as much as it is easy to start with, deep fried is not sushi for the purest among us. <laughs> and, it's, and it's just crazy. Right? I, I remember I was staying with friends and they, yeah, let's go to sushi. I'd never really had sushi at the time. I was maybe 18 at the time. It was like, it's a long time ago. And they bring all those like big boats and it's like, it's always like, okay, this is crazy, you know? And over the years, like, oh, yeah, this wasn't the pures of experiences at all <laughs> and i'm gonna be honest with you yeah and i mean if i had to convert someone from not yeah. liking sushi to liking sushi and my go-to would be the california roll that's easy to start with everyone would taste that yeah the second maybe would be something deep fried <laughs> yeah <laughs> and something with like mayo like and then in the end if you're just eating like fast food and it it used to be sushi to begin with yeah yeah. Oh, I, I love that. It got me hooked on it at least. So, Yeah. And that's the most important <laughs> part. That is the most important part. So yeah. the second question is always, when did your sushi journey start? But you also mentioned that you were around yeah. 18. Yeah. Yeah. It was really funny. I was, for whatever reason, after graduating high school, I had the idea, I want to backpack through Florida. I don't, know, I don't know why it's not the backpacking destination at all. And it's just, a, yeah, I'm going to backpack around the state along the coast. Yeah. And it doesn't work at all. I arrived in West Palm Beach and there aren't even sidewalks. So I'm arriving at the airport. How do I backpack here? And then I had to change my plans quite quickly. But there I met those people and I became friends with them. I stayed with them for a few weeks because I had so much time. My plan was to backpack like, for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they, they got me introduced to this. So this was, um, yeah, then what was it? Like 2001, two, was it like a while ago? Cool. I love that. I love that. And I love that each and every one of our guests has a different origin story on how they started with sushi. But the majority of them say that it is through friends. Someone told yeah. them, let's go have sushi and I will tell you about it. Let's taste it. And that's where their passion for sushi starts. And it just fills my heart when I know that it's in connection that most yeah. people enjoyed sushi. So yeah. cool. Yeah. Also, where I grew up, like I grew up in rural Germany, like northern Germany that People eat fish, but not in a sushi way. <laughs> so it wasn't, that's not what people do there. It's just way too exotic for yeah. those rural farmers and fishermen. Yeah, yeah no, I get it. I mean, I'm from a Moroccan family and my father still looks at me and thinks I've done something wrong in your upbringing yeah. because raw fish is not part of the menu. <laughs> So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So one of the purposes of our podcast is to have fun, which we're having which is good, but also to give our listeners insight into the personality of entrepreneurs that like or love sushi. And we have a quirky question to ask when we want to discover your character, your yeah. personality. Are you ready for that one? Yes, please. Okay, cool. If your personality or character were a sushi, what would the ingredients be and why? Yeah, so it wouldn't be the deep fried uh, <laughs> thing anymore and i was like okay good so on a good way yeah to me you know like now with the whole vegan stuff so i have to move somewhere there but it would be something definitely with avocado <laughs> <laughs> because i think avocado is such a it's such a it's something i could just eat all the time anytime and i yeah. feel it's like good for you and i want to do good for the world so i would something go there 
yeah i'm not really like shiitake mushroom can't compare myself to that <laughs> not to no 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 but i get it i mean a lot of our guests mention avocado and the the important part is not necessarily the avocado i mean i love avocado i could eat it all yeah. day long every day long yeah. it's just great to eat it and you can do so many different things with it but what does it tell us about you yan yeah to me it's like the doing good like if we okay. think okay it's something like that's good for your body right and like my thing okay my really i'm on the mission of doing something good and doing something yeah. important and meaningful and could easily run a business i don't know selling rubber ducks on amazon or something and that would be it'd be a business as well yeah not quite as meaningful in my opinion except yeah. for rubber duck fetishes and enthusiasts <laughs> really into that kind of stuff but doing something good yeah and always having a purpose behind what we do in our business so also maybe turning down things that that may be profitable but aren't really in line with what mm. we believe in mm. and also when we speak about even like mercedes or clients like this right big corporations that we work with it was funny just the other day i speak with them from a very heartfelt place and you know like use words that may not be used in yeah. business conversations so just mm. I, had, I had to do like a little pitch earlier this week actually and i used the word i have a loving approach and it was just like so not usually not to be used in that context in the business context and yeah. especially corporations like this so we strongly believe in like what we do and that we want to change the world for the better and increase awareness and consciousness also in the business world yeah yeah that everything needs to be with purpose and yeah. in alignment with uh, what we believe in i love that yeah. i love 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 that that resonates so much so we've got the avocado <laughs> what else <laughs> So the avocado, that would be, oh yeah, there was one other thing that I really liked. I don't know what, yeah, but I did like the one, I mentioned the jackfruit one. And yep. jackfruit is a weird thing, right? Like in the vegan world, it's sort of popular and it really doesn't taste like anything once to begin with, but then you sort of turn yep. it into something. So to me, that would be like an image maybe for really making the best out of everything. It's interesting because now we're going into, into cuisine a little bit, but usually you would eat it ripe and it's super sweet right but that yeah. wouldn't be so nice in, in let's say sushi but if you harvest it unripe mm -hmm. it's really it's like a byproduct so to say it's not used yep. yep but you can turn it into something amazing and people yep. love it yeah so uh, that to me would be an image for really making the best out of things and even turning maybe a burnout situation into something amazing right like you said in the introduction it was the worst day but it turned out to be a really good day yeah so maybe like this transformation and making the best out of everything is something that i really love and i try to embody as much as I can. Nice. Any, any other ingredients? Any other ingredients? Let's see. So we've got do good. We've got make the best of everything. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. Or maybe, put... maybe what are we building? Are we building a maki? Are we building a nigiri? Are we building a hand roll or a poke yeah. bowl? What's the... Yeah, we're building a maki. Yeah, that's just, I don't okay. know, I just enjoy those. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, different from the deep fried <laughs> dragon balls in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's one building. And maybe we're using, and that, that's something I tried recently, like in those newer places, they use like brown rice and everything. Uh, maybe oh. I would use this. And you know why? And this is interesting now. Okay, so we're using brown rice because I think in India, brown rice is used, you can buy it in a pharmacy because it regulates blood pressure. And Ooh. so I love brown rice. I would use brown rice in my sushi as well because I pride myself on staying quite zen and having low blood pressure most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think I'll nice. use that. Yeah. 
and just see how that tastes. <laughs> Let's go from there. Oh, okay. So yeah. maki, so it's a roll. That means that yeah. we've got the nori, we've got the brown rice, which I love. Yeah. It doesn't have to be white rice. And yeah. then the avocado and the star fruit. Exactly, the jackfruit. Yeah. The jackfruit, sorry. Yeah, exactly. Oh, now I would <laughs> taste that sushi. You taste it. I would it, taste that it sushi. It depends a little bit how we prepare the jackfruit, I assume. We have to see like if, how, how we want to spice it. Yeah. Well, so, tell me, how would you want to spice it? This is your personality, yeah. not mine. <laughs> It'd be interesting. I really enjoyed the, like, I would put some chili on it too. It would be fine. Like, to have like a spicy, spicy avocado thing. I don't know if we're moving too close to guacamole, but no, no. We're staying away from that. It's a, nah. different, it's a different podcast. I mean, I mean chili and <laughs> yeah. peppers is different. Yeah. Okay. I would, that would be interesting because then you've got the bland taste of the jackfruit. With you a little bit of, of a punch. Exactly, because you have to give it some taste. Otherwise, it just tastes like chewing on chewy stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. cool. So this is Jan Broders in the form of a sushi. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then also like I, a little bit of spicy, right? Like it doesn't have to be like all, all zen, but like having fun and bring a little bit of spice to the things that we do. It's not only meditating in a cave and... No, no, and I I agree with you. I mean, there is a concept of tough love. You can be nice to someone, but also come at it from, I need to shake you up, to wake you up, to know what we're doing to this world and what we're doing as human beings that is making us sick. And we could be doing something that is not making us sick and making us thrive and flourish, which is what we are supposed to be doing. So, yeah, no, absolutely. That's the fire in it. That's the, (laughs) come on, people, let's get this doing. I love that. I love that. So, Jan, you are a master coach. Tell us a little bit about your coaching. Yes. So, really, my journey to coaching, like now we speak about a sushi journey, also was it changed a lot over the years. So I really never got into coaching to coach others. It was really just about healing myself. Yeah. And like you said, you know, up to the age of 27, the same, I was 2028, the same year, everything was going in one way, just like this career, the doing the right thing and all those things. And then this big burnout experience. And I remember there's this one like, pivotal moment. I was laying, like physically laying in the lobby of this beautiful hotel. And this thought came up or this voice said, either you're going to die or you have to change something or something's going to change. And I was really surprised by that. I was like, what? <laughs> I thought I'm doing amazing. And then I thought, okay, so if death is a better choice than continuing, so it's quite severe, I really need to change something. I wasn't aware of that. And so it really was only for my own healing in the beginning. And I tried all those different things and visited the craziest seminars and then ended up with coaching. And coaching really helped me because it was more empowering than traditional therapy, which was a bit more focusing on the what's wrong, so to say. Like it was my... Yeah, on the negative my, side. Yeah. yeah, my experience of it. Maybe a therapist would now say something different, but at least that's the experience I had. In. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, wow, coaching is really empowering. You really get to you know, create your own life and make choices. And it was very good. And then people sort of started approaching me, right? Asking, hey, Jan, you changed so much. Came with a conversation. Like, yeah, whatever. And at some point, it was funny. I just posted on Facebook. So I said, I'm going to have 100 conversations. If anybody wants to have a conversation, let's just talk. Whatever I can help you with, I don't know what it is. If I one person yeah. wanted me to translate something from German to English, okay, I'll do that. Right? I'm just of service now. I'm just helping. Whatever I can do. And in the early days, it was all very much meditation, mindfulness centered. So that's really like the roots, still what I believe in yeah. a lot. Yeah. So it's still the basis. But then it developed also more into like taking proper action and looking at your values. That's not only meditating, but still the root of what I do still today, even with leadership people and 
in those groups is this self-awareness and knowing, okay, what's going on? Who am I? How am I behaving? How am I feeling? How am I thinking? Not even so much why. It's like sometimes like, yeah, maybe you fell off the swing when you were three and yeah, that happened, right? Yeah. Shit. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. let's look at now what there is something going on right now. And in my experience, that helps just so much. It helps way more than the pure behavior. Okay, you, you need to get up early, set your alarm. That probably helps. Like, yeah, that probably helps. But, you know, like stuff like this, not the pure motivation or behavioral thing, but really yeah. uncovering what's going on. Who are you? And what's sort of like, I call it the, almost like the building that you live in. We all live yeah. in our own buildings. We have our own foundation, the floor, some pillars, yeah. supporting pillars and supporting walls. And I really want to understand, okay, what building are you living in? And some of it is really serving you and what you want to achieve, some is not. And let's change those pillars, let's change those walls, let's change the roof. But maybe it can stay because it works amazing for you. Still, my coaching is really around self-discovery and, and looking who you are. And then once you have that awareness, things start to change. You don't need to put well, some action plans are good there, but they come by itself once you have the awareness. Yeah. You cannot behave the same anymore once you've had that awareness. So yeah, yeah, that's what I'm really interested in. And this is what, in my experience, is, is working very well. And I agree with you. I mean, I was interviewed yesterday for a podcast and they wanted to do a three series, a three-part series. So three different podcasts. It turned out to be four. And one of the things that I shared there, and the topic was happiness at work. And one of the topics, and they wanted me to give some exercises. So it's really actionable to those that are going to listen to the episodes when they launch. And I said, that's great, but I would rather focus on the principles behind the exercises first before I share with you what you can do. Because it's great to be on the action behavior level and do different things. But if you don't understand why you're doing it or how it relates to who you are, then you're going to do it. But after a month, you're going to give up because there is no connection. And I think powerful when you start with self-awareness so that you can connect it to who you are and what matters to you and what's meaningful to you yeah yeah and it's interesting and the world is ready or the companies are ready to also introduce those ideas um, at the moment that's what i'm noticing it still might sound yeah. a little of woo and oh what are they doing it's like too deep and we sing the guitar like by the fire and <laughs> we can do this right after work it needs to sort of seem professional to, to many yeah. people to be yeah. relatable um, yeah but people are open for this now. I think that's a good time at the moment. The whole COVID crisis, like ongoing, is bringing people like so much to the edge that yeah. it's okay. There is no more. It's not no longer a choice to look inwards and to discover what's going on, but it's become a must um, yeah. for many people in recent months. Yeah, I love that. So for someone that's listening right now and thinking, okay, I get that it's important to become self-aware, but how do I start if I'm interested in starting? What are your tips, Jan? Yeah. So especially when we speak about now whole burnout prevention and resilience and all those things, one thing I love starting with, and that's very surprising to many people, is to create something like a log of your stress symptoms. Because in most people don't even recognize a stress symptom as a stress symptom. It's more like, Oh, that's life. That's mm. just life shitty as it is. But there's different models within like this whole burnout prevention world. And one model has like 12 steps. And let's say the first six steps or so, they are all what we would all recognize as that's just normal life. I cannot mm. sleep at night. I have to have a drink to wind down. I'm withdrawing socially from my friends. I'm like overambitious, setting goals that are super impossible, becoming distracted at work, not really being able to focus. Like all those things have become normal. Like, yeah. That's yeah. life. Everybody yeah. has that. Like yeah. Nobody's time for friends. No, Everybody sort of does something at night to wind down, whether that's Netflix or drinking or smoking or God knows yeah. what. 
And once you realize, oh, wow, that's actually a stress symptom already, I'm able to realize what's going on. And I want to give everybody an image, which I really like is if you, let's say you're driving from Amsterdam to Hamburg, right? So, and Hamburg is burnout, right? There's total failure, like your body's just done, it's done everything. And yeah. if you start in Amsterdam, there may be a sign, super small sign, some, oh, Hamburg this way, or may not even Hamburg, maybe Germany or so. But the longer you drive, the bigger the signs get and the more frequent the signs get. And at some point you are arriving at Hamburg, there's this big ass sign, you're in the middle of Hamburg and you're, in, you're there, right? You cannot miss it anymore. Yeah. Then it's too late. But as I said, there's so many little signs along the way and so many exits as well, right? So, but once we look for signs and pay attention, we're always able to make changes. But most of us, we don't look, we don't pay attention. So what would be interesting is for you to make a list of how do I experience stress? Um, mm. physically, emotionally, mentally, on a behavioral level. It's like, oh, well, then I smoke more or I sleep less or I drink more coffee. Um, my back hurts, my, whatever it may be. And again, awareness, what we spoke about earlier, once these things are in your awareness, like a red light goes off once you feel them. You say, oh, wait, it's not normal to have back pain. That is our episode with Jan Broder. The last minute of our recording cut off, unfortunately, our apologies for that. But we would love to know your biggest takeaway or insight from the conversation with Jan. Do take a moment to share it with us in the Facebook group Entrepreneur Sushi Club. Thank you for listening to this episode and see you on the next one. 